if you have your Bible this morning, turn to 1 Samuel chapter 17. This is the story of David and Goliath. It's a classic Bible story that even my five and my four-year-old love, except they know the, the VeggieTales version, which is the, the enemies are French peas and Goliath is a giant pickle. So that's the version they know. Uh, anyway, this story has so many lessons that we can learn from it. As I was going through, it was just packed with history and everything. You may have heard a couple of the sermons where the, the, even the phrase, David, the David and Goliath matchup, where people are talking about the underdog coming on top. Or maybe you've heard the sermon that the main point is that David wasn't the underdog. That David, because God was on his side, Goliath was the underdog. But that's not where I'm going today, with a, even those are fantastic points. So... Uh, real quick, a little bit of backstory, because uh, we're going to jump in the middle of it so we can get right to it. Uh, the armies of Israel, these are God's chosen people, are fighting the Philistines. And that's as deep as I'm going to tell you about the Philistines. So each army is camped on a hill on either side of this valley. And because of their positions, neither army is wanting to give up their advantage. They're just waiting for uh, the other guy to make the first move. So the Philistines send out a champion to challenge the Israelites on this one-on-one, winner-takes-all sort of combat. And this wasn't that uncommon, actually. This was something that happened a lot in history. It saved time. It saved lives, as you can imagine. So whoever won this one-on-one thing won the battle. And they, they surrendered. The enemy would surrender. So with that, let's stand together as we read God's word. 1 Samuel chapter 17, starting in verse 10. Then Goliath said, This day I defy the armies of Israel. Give me a man and let us fight each other. On hearing his words, Saul and all the other Israelites were dismayed and terrified. So skipping down to verse 34. But David said to Saul, Your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it, struck it, and rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck it, and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. Let's pray. God, we just we thank you for your word. We thank you that you still speak to us, that you still speak to us through your word, that it's living, it's active. So God, would you speak to each one here Would your Holy Spirit move in this place? Would you move through me today? In your name we pray. Amen. All right, you can have a seat. Turn to the person next to you and tell them how good-looking they are. All right. So how many of you have difficulty focusing on one task? Yeah, I thought I'd get get some hands on this. Uh, I have a really difficult time, actually, and... I've been known to space out completely when Chelsea is talking to me, that's my wife, and have to say, oh, I'm sorry, honey, I I completely missed that. What did you say? And sometimes she'll start to explain what she said. I'm like, no, 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 I just didn't hear you (laughs) because I was somewhere else. Okay, so have you ever done that where you blank out the most crucial part of someone's story and you have no idea who or what they are talking about. But now it's a little bit too late in the story or like they've been talking for a few minutes and you can't really ask them like, who are you talking about? Like I said that like five minutes ago. I can't 
So you're sort of just sitting there like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. So I actually have a daughter that's too good at focusing. And I know how could you be too good at focusing. Uh, so Isla is my second oldest. She's four. Um, and she gets very involved in what she's doing. Whether she just gets in this zone in her own little world. We've commonly said this about her. She's just off in her own little world. Whether, whether that's coloring, playing with toys, or immersed in her imagination. And, and this matters because sometimes something important comes up, right? As parents, something's urgent and you have to tell them or you're trying to get them to do the next thing or telling them what's next in the day. And so we go over to or we talk to her like, Isla, 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 do you hear me? Literally, we could shout her name and nothing. Just she's busy with her stuff. And by the way, her hearing is fine. Like we had that checked and she can hear just fine. So now we go over and we touch her shoulder because we try to be good parents here. And uh, Isla, do you hear me? Did you hear what I said? I'm trying to talk to you. And she yells back, I said what? Like, no, you didn't, honey. You just thought it in your head. It never came out. That literally happened this weekend. <laughs> so, <laughs> and then she has this like blank look on her face like, I swore I said what to my mom and dad. Anyway, uh, the other side of this is when she's tired and you try to tell her. I mean, no, no kid is good when they're tired, you know this. Uh, they're just not themselves. So uh, we try to do the right parenting thing when she's tired. Say, Isla, look at me. I have something important to tell you. Uh, it's very important so we don't jump on your brother and hold him down when he's screaming because he, you're much bigger than him, okay? Okay, now, what did I say? And she's like, I don't know. <laughs> okay, just think about what, what did we just talk about? And she's like, I, I don't know. I was like, okay, oh dear. Okay, she's, she's very focused or unfocused. I don't know what, what side of it is, but she's just off in her own little world, and that's okay. It's something that we want to harness. We actually do this, this is in my notes, but we actually do this like temperament thing with our kids so we kind of learn how to talk to them better and how they communicate and stuff. And that's just part of her temperament. She's very engulfed in what she does. And um, anyway, so that, that is the first thing in our text. And so write this down if you're taking notes. David is more focused on who God is than what he was faced with. Let me say that again. David was more focused on who God is than what he was faced with. The definition of the word focus adds a little bit to this. Uh, when I looked it up, just so that we understand a little more, it says to pay particular attention to. David paid particular attention to God and what God wanted to do in this situation. David could have easily been more focused on what was happening and the odds of winning. All the other people were. Remember in our story, it said all the Israelites were dismayed and worried. But David pray, paid particular attention to God. He focused on him. Now, this, this first point, this story has a big risk of just being this like, cliche thing, like, focus on God and not what you're going through. And it's like, it, I think we've all heard this before. But let's let not let, let me try that again. But let's not let it be that point. So let's look at the Bible and see how important this was and how his focus changed everything. So Goliath comes out. And he says, I defy the armies of Israel. And everyone is terrified. They run, they hide, which honestly being terrified at this point was not an illogical thing to do. Like they, they kind of had a good idea, some, some of them. And the Bible describes Goliath just prior to this scene in verse four. He was over nine feet tall, carried about 150 to 200 pounds of armor and weapons, and also had an armor bearer with him that carried a secondary shield. He was 
the definition of an ancient time army tank. He was huge. And so Goliath continues to taunt them for 40 days. This goes on for that amount of time. So 40 days, he goes out, and the Bible says, shouted his usual defiance at the Israelites. And the Bible says, and David heard it. But David heard something different. You see, your focus also determines what you hear. He didn't just hear the defiance against the army of Israel. He heard it as a defiance against God himself. David, from the beginning, viewed this as a spiritual issue. He remembered that God called the nation of Israel. They were God's chosen people when Goliath came against them. He not only came against the against them. When Goliath came against them, he not only came against the nation, but also the almighty God that they served. Most of them forgot that. No one else chose to focus on the God that they served, but they solely thought this was a battle to be won with brute strength. And we see this from David. We see the way he talks uh, to King Saul and how he spoke to Goliath on the battlefield as well. So let's look at this verse again, uh, starting in verse 36. It says, your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. And we see it even more when he's on the battlefield. In verse 45, when Goliath taunts him, he, he responds with, I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hands, and I will strike you down. And the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. All those gathered here will know that it is not by the sword or spear that the Lord saves, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give all of you into our hands. So the first thing I want to point out between these verses, why David was thinking more spiritually, was, uh, was this part in the verse that says, this uncircumcised Philistine. Now, that's a little odd to put in there, a little bit of a weird uh, detail about his enemy, but it shows how David is viewing the situation. Circumcision was how people showed their commitment to God and that they would live for God and they were part of the nation of Israel. Honestly, I don't have time to go into all that. I'm sure Pastor Corey would love to explain it to you after service if you want to go find him and he'll explain all of it. So, David was commenting on Goliath's status. He was not of God's people. David continues, and he highlights some of these things in this verse. I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty. This day, the Lord, all those gathered here will know that it is not by the sword or spear that the Lord saves, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hands. David was focused on what God had promised the nation of Israel and view this in a spiritual perspective. And this lesson just isn't in this story. I think we can see it all over the Bible. Uh, The story of Noah, he built the ark because God was going to send the rain, but had he focused on the people taunting him and the lack of rain while he was building it, he wouldn't have completed the ark. He focused on God. Abraham moved away from his home and followed God, not knowing where he was going is what the Bible says. He was promised to be a father of many nations, but was now old and unable to have children. But he focused on God and became a father in his old age. 
Moses focused on God to lead millions of people through the wilderness and even asked God to spare them for, the, for their disobedience. Joshua and Caleb were the only spies that spied out the promised land and brought back a positive report because they focused on God's promise, not the obstacles in the way. Rahab, a prostitute in the city of Jericho, was spared because she focused on God and saw that she was, he was worthy to be served. The Bible even commands us to focus on God. Not just, not just these Bible stories, but it actually outright just tells us. In Matthew 6.33, it says, but seek first his kingdom. In Romans 12, it says, let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. 1 Peter 1.13 says, so prepare your minds for action. Philippians 4 says, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Hebrews 12 says, let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus. Colossians 3 says, set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. So what you can see, what you focus on matters. As the great theologian, George Lucas once wrote in Star Wars, your focus becomes your reality. David's focus was on God. And it changed how he responded to the situation. When we put our focus on God, we start to view things in a spiritual perspective. So what if I gave my life, what if we gave our lives a spiritual perspective and a God focus? How, would I achieve, how I achieve my goals would feel different. I would word them differently. I totally stole this from a pastor much smarter than me. And, uh, but he just said, if I want to love my spouse better, I do that because I want to honor her and God. My goal of managing my finances well is to honor God, not just retire happy. I want to read my Bible because knowing God more is valuable because he loves me. I study, I practice, I make myself better in all areas of my life because he's worthy to be glorified with my gifts. In my own life, when I raise my kids with my focus on God, I love them like Jesus I'm more patient, more willing to teach them instead of getting annoyed at them. I am more thankful for every moment I get with them. The thing is, living this life isn't, it just doesn't happen. It takes practice. We fail. We, I, I definitely failed this weekend as I was writing this sermon, and God's like, hey, what are you talking about on Sunday? I'm like, <laughs> thanks, God. Um, but that, that brings me to my second point, this practice. God, David could focus on God because he remembered what God had done before. In order for us to live a life that is focused on God, we need to look back on his faithfulness. Let's look again at our verse. This is where David responds to Saul. And Saul had just told David, they're talking, um, and he says, you can't, you're just in your youth. And he has been a soldier since his youth. So basically, David, he's been a soldier since you were a baby. So verse 34, but David said to Saul, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it, struck it, and rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck it, and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. 
David is a, a man of mans, like, isn't he? Like, he's just like, do you see what the, do you see, okay, do you see what this verse says? It says, uh, when a lion or bear came up and carried off a sheep, I went after it. I went after it. I would have been like, oh no, my sheep. <laughs> Not my sheep, bear. Okay. Yeah, that, that always surprises me when I read that. So anyway, uh, look at this last verse. This is why we read this whole section again. It's because verse 37, the Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. David had practice trusting God, didn't he? David had a season of preparation is what I like to call it. And how many of you had seasons in your life like that where you're not quite where you want to be, kind of in the middle, and you're learning a ton along the way, and it just kind of feels hectic, but you're preparing for what's next. I remember uh, a pivotal moment in my life. I had switched jobs in 2019. I was still working as a physical therapist assistant, and it was an awful job. Like, the definition of just, it was messy. It doesn't help my personality. I'm very structurally, very orderly, um, and this, this job lacked order. It lacked all of that. And there was less work than, than was promised. The management was awful. I was alone with no one to really explain what was going on. And being an assistant as a therapist, you don't really have a lot of power. You have to have someone above you. And it was difficult. But I remember something changed in me. I looked to God more. I prayed more. My spiritual life changed that year. I matured significantly. Well, to a certain point, but... <laughs> Chelsea even remembers this season in my life. She said, you grew into a completely different man after that season. Not only did that season grow me, but it's a season I look back on often. And I cringe a little because I was so dumb, but it reminds me how God has changed my life in the most difficult of seasons and how he changed and prepared me for what was to come. And he continues to prepare me what is next in this season. So David went through this season of preparing him for Goliath. And the neat thing is, like, David didn't know he was going to face Goliath. Just like back in that season, I didn't know I was going to be a pastor. But he was faithful where he was at. Faithful in protecting his sheep. He probably also practiced his, his sling that he killed Goliath with, that he used, uh, while he was watching his sheep, imagine it got pretty boring out there. So let me tell you a little bit about this sling. And I want to do this because this was not a child's toy slingshot that we would imagine. Like, this was a warrior's weapon. In the Bible, it actually describes in Second Kings, and it mentions men surrounding a city with slings and attacking it. Historians credit the sling to be just as deadly as a musket or bow and arrow. And it actually had a further range than an arrow. When released, a rock would leave the sling at 60 plus miles an hour and have the same power as a 45 caliber bullet. It would even kill people through their leather armor because of the brute force that it had. It wouldn't pierce the armor, but it would hit them so hard that it would cause internal injuries. And so not only were they powerful, but people that used them could use them very accurately. In Judges, we get, a, we get a sneak peek at this in chapter 20, verse 16. It says, each of them could sling a stone at a hair and not miss. So 
I'm not denying that God guided David. I think he did do that. I think he helped him in this battle. And he was with him, obviously. We know that. But David was also skilled at what he was doing. Could you imagine David going against Goliath without the experience of the lion or the bear and no practice with a sling if he just picked up the sling for the first time? David had to kill the bear and the lion before he could face Goliath. He had to practice with his sling before he was accurate. So when we combine focusing on God in the present and remembering how God was faithful in the past, we see David's faith was not a seasonal thing. It was a lifestyle. There's a, there's a big difference between something just being a season in your life and being something, of, uh, something that's part of you, right? So uh, a good example of this is a season of dieting and exercise can help you lose some weight and improve your health in the short term. I could lose 10 pounds by cutting certain foods and being hungry for a while, but studies show that dieting doesn't help you maintain a healthy weight. It's short-lived. It's a great tool. It can kind of boost you to get there, but it's not a way to live long-term. But a lifestyle of activity and eating right can change things in the long-term. If I balance my diet well, I get, the, I get to eat the foods I actually want to eat and eat cookies every now and then. And I, I stink and love cookies. They're so good. <laughs> Chelsea made them the other day. I had like five of them and then some dough. And Okay, that's not part of the healthy lifestyle, by the way. That was me cheating. Okay. But it also, so this healthy lifestyle also changes the way I think when something's part of our lifestyle. When I'm faced with physical activity, I get excited and think, what a great way to keep my body moving instead of dreading pulling my kids around the yard in the wagon because they're heavier now and it's a lot of work and it makes me tired. But I, I think of that differently when it's a lifestyle. And similarly, a lifestyle looking toward God and looking back at his faithfulness allows me to respond by saying, how is God going to use me to further his kingdom? He's done it before. I can't wait to see how he does it again. So music team, uh, you can come at this point. Uh, let's actually, let's stand together as well as we close. So a lifestyle focused on God doesn't mean that life is perfect. And things happen just right because we are focused on him. But it does give us a new way to view life completely. And honestly, at this point, I just was like, what do I do with this, this tension of you know, focusing on God and, and him being with our battles? But honestly, I think Pastor Kyle did a great job with this in the sermon series, when my, when my World Falls Apart. So honestly, if that's something that you're in, if that's the season you're in, uh, I just want to encourage you to go look at that on our website. It was a powerful series. It was something that was super insightful. How do we follow God when things aren't working well, when we think we're doing everything right? But for us today, how we respond, what are the moments in your life that you can look back and say, God was faithful in that season. I know I can trust him in the next season that I'm facing. So I want to spend some time thinking what's next.
I think it's easier to hear a message like this and just say, well, that was, that was really nice. I needed to hear that today. That'll help me tomorrow. But, but as the weeks go on, we just continue to live the same way. So a few questions to respond with. How has God been faithful in the past? How can I remember that faithfulness in the season I am in now to focus on God? Maybe write it down. I don't always journal. I'm not really big into that, but I do like to write down verses and prayers and what God is sharing with me. I recently was actually reading through my journal because I was struggling to find a topic to preach on. And this didn't actually come from my journal, this message, but I found in my journal there were prayers that were answered, uh, spiritual obstacles removed, growth in my relationships and with God. I even found some things I'm still praying for. So, as we reflect today, take some time to pray and ask God to show you his faithfulness. Sometimes I think we get, we get stuck in focusing on the wrong things. So let's focus on God today. God, we just ask you that your Holy Spirit would move, that we would see you throughout the years, throughout our years, God. And we would be able to identify those moments where we said, God was faithful then. He'll be faithful now. So Lord, just speak to us. Speak to each one here. Just fill this room with your presence, God. So I think with this, I think there's one more way that we can respond today. Some of us may have struggled in this moment to think of that lion and that bear moment in our life, that moment that God was faithful. So the question is, what lion or bear do you need to kill today with God's help? Maybe there's sin in your life that you need to get rid of. Maybe it's been holding you down for far too long. Maybe you need to start reading your Bible and actually know God in a deep way. Maybe you need to take that first step of faith toward the calling that God has put on your life. Or maybe you're here and have never taken the first step of actually believing in God. This could be your first or your hundredth time here and you're feeling this need to actually believe in him. Not just, not just this head knowledge, not just this church thing I go because my family goes and it feels good to go, but a real commitment, a heart thing. So today, I wanna give you that opportunity. This could be your moment that, that you look back on. The day that you came to church and God spoke to you and gave your and you gave your life to him and it was never the same after that. So with every head bowed in this place and eye closed, if that's you, respond to that. Take that step. Raise your hand today and just say, God, I wanna take that step of faith and say, be my God. Move in me today. 
give me that line or that bare moment where I can look back on your faithfulness and say, that was when my life changed. Let's just pray this together. No one prays alone. These aren't just magic words. They're not just this thing that we say, but it's a heart thing. So let's just say this, God, I know I need you. I want to live a life focused on you. Forgive me of my sins and change my life. Amen. Let's just put our hands together and just celebrate for those that may have done that today. God, we just give you this time. We give you this day. We give you our focus and our energy as we leave. God, I pray over each individual here as they as they go into their Mondays, as they go to work, as they raise kids, as they do what life dema demands of them, would you remind them of your faithfulness in every season? Would they focus on you, God? Would they remember that you've been faithful before and you'll be faithful again? So God, we just thank you. We praise you for what you're doing in this place. In your name we pray. And everybody said?